This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. I'm Mark Packer alone again back in the basement. There's no Captain Ron. There's no Robert. There's no Otto. I do have the dogs. They're sound asleep and they're doing fine. Fuller's way back here. And of course, uh, Chester is still looking for the Commissioner Phillips rug on top of the Roger Goodell chair and we're good to go. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Durham, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Pac. Don't worry. We'll all be one big happy group tomorrow when we do three days of coverage with Packer and Durham at the ACC spring meetings in Amelia Island. So, you know, you'll be amongst friends Oh yeah, starting tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And we'll be easy to spot because we'll be the ones from the ACC network that will be working Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Again, three consecutive days of nothing but all kinds of interviews. Who knows? There could be some breaking stories uh, there is so much going on in the world of sports, and all the true movers and shakers will be at Amelia Island, and we'll be leading the parade beginning tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. sharp. There will be a one-hour all-ACC uh, tomorrow night, but uh, we will be there tomorrow morning at 7 to start your day. Uh, in fact, we'll be just off the hallway where all the meetings are taking place, so hopefully we can get some of the latest news and information, things of that nature. Plus... All the hot topics that have uh, stormed their way into college athletics, if you will, here in the last couple of weeks, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, all that stuff is certain to be a topic. So we're looking forward to being at Amelia Island uh, starting tomorrow morning for three days of coverage, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, right here uh, with the program. So um, hopefully some very nice weather and uh, some good conversation in the next three days. It really doesn't matter what the weather is because we're going to be working. And we're going to be, uh, I don't know if we're going to be under a tent. I don't know if we'll be inside, outside, whatever. Whatever the case may be, we will be working, working, working. So if you're looking for tennis or golf or spa treatment or going to the beach or hanging at the pool, you have the wrong show. You've got the wrong show. We will be working. That's what This is a working trip, Wes. This is not a vacation. Not a vacation. That's correct. That is correct. So, uh, by the way, we left this show on Friday picking horses for the 148th run for the roses at Churchill Downs. And not a one of us ever said, I'd like to take rich strike, please. You know, you know why that is? Because when we finished the show at 10 AM, rich strike was not a contestant. Chester and Fuller had a better chance to win the race than Rich Strike. Why? Because nobody uh, in the world had ever heard of Rich Strike because the horse was not in the derby when we said adios at 10 a.m. And lo and behold, between North Carolina, B.C., women's lacrosse for an ACC title, which we will get to, and then you got the derby on the other side. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was nuts. But how about that long shot? 80 to 1. And I've watched, you know, I've seen the video from above. And Wes, I'm not a conspiracy guy, as you all know. But if you told me that race was rigged, I'd have gone, yep, probably. I mean, how in the world did that horse win the race? That was unbelievable. (laughs) It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And uh, But it just goes to show you, all you need is a chance, right? It's all you need. Just got to have a chance. 
I mean, that story, that is a Hollywood script is what happened at Churchill Downs. I mean, you you get in at literally the last second to get into the race. And you're like, okay, well, good for you. There's a slow clap. You're at at gate 96-3, dash four to the fifth power. (laughs) And, you know, just don't hurt yourself. Come out of the gate. And don't try to bite the other horses like you normally do. Just just finish, right? You're in. Congratulations. Slow clap. Doggone horse won the race at 80 to 1. Yeah. Unfreaking believable. It was amazing what happened yeah. there. That was unbelievable. And then tried to bite the other horse in and the post race. And interview. then started so to eat the other horse's horse ears. I mean, it's it yeah, was that's such happened. a ridiculously awesome <laughs> story that it was like, and I don't know anything about horses other than they scared me half to death. But um, man, that was a great story. I, that was just, it blew me away what happened. I, I'll be hard-pressed to believe there'll be another story this year in the world of sports that is more ridiculous than what happened at the Kentucky Derby. I can't imagine anything being wilder than that. Seriously. That was unbelievable. Well, and now uh, Rich Strike gets to uh, try in two weeks for the Belmont, right? I mean, but, how about that? You you doubled down at 80 to 1. Now, all of a sudden, you got to run in two weeks. Is it safe to say – given all the hype over the F1 being in Miami this weekend, is it safe to say that Rich Strike passed more horses in the last 35 seconds of that race than there were passes entirely in the F1 race at Miami? Is that safe? Is that a safe bet? May have been. Yeah, may have been. So, may have been. Uh, All right, let's go to uh, lacrosse. You mentioned Carolina Boston College. It was Saturday night, 6 o'clock, right here on ACC Network. And Jenny Levy, who will join us later in the program, she and the Tar Heels, uh, worked their way to a 16-9 victory to win their sixth straight ACC tournament title. Uh, A 7-0 run in the third sealed it for the Tar Heels, who, like as we talked about during the week, kind of got off to a bit of a slow start at home. Boston College fired out of the gate. But uh, North Carolina captures the lacrosse championship 16-9 to on Saturday night. Uh, the numbers are the numbers, right? This is number one against number two. And, of course, we're going to get into the NCAA committee because they're going to be front and center in this show today in lacrosse on both the men's and women's side. Uh, BC drops to a right. three seed in the NCAA tournament. But this was number one versus number two nationwide. Uh, star power galore. And sure enough, Charlotte North creates a record. Uh, Jamie Ortega creates a record, and North Carolina also creates a record as a team. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about scoreboard, Wes. And North Carolina, yep. like they did in South Bend, when Notre Dame jumped them five zip, and they said, okay, cool, deep breath, let's go play. You mentioned BC gets off to a really good start, but North Carolina doesn't panic. They have tons of experience. They're incredibly talented. They've yet to lose a game. Uh, we'll have Jenny on the show later on in the program to talk about this really unique collection of talent. Uh, but they are the team mm-hmm. to beat, without question, getting into the NCAA tournament. Takes nothing away from BC. That's the game that they had circled. They had wanted to win the ACC championship. North Carolina was just too good. And that shot that they gave everybody in the third, now, that was game, set, match. It was a knockout blow, and BC just could not recover. That's correct. And uh, so congratulations to Jenny. Uh, she will be with us coming up at 8.30 this morning. Looking forward to talking to her about not just the championship, but now the four move into the NCAA Women's Lacrosse Championship. Now, the men's side is a little more interesting and complicated because Notre Dame rallied to beat Duke 
16-14 to win a share of the ACC's regular season title. Remember, there's no championship event for the men in lacrosse. However, the postscript of that is where the controversy starts because Notre Dame, after beating Duke to clinch a share of the regular season title with Virginia, neither Notre Dame nor Duke were selected for the NCAA Men's Lacrosse Championship last night. So Kevin Cargan, John Donowski, those, those two schools are not going. Only one ACC school was selected for the field in lacrosse, and that was Virginia and Lars Tiffany, who won the last two national titles. Notre Dame denied after pack a terrific finish to the season for Kevin Corrigan's Irish. I'm going to say it. Notre Dame got screwed. I'm going to say it point blank. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to come right at you. They won their last six co-ACC champions with Virginia. It basically came down to Ohio State, Harvard, Duke, and Notre Dame. And listen, I'm not a lacrosse expert, but we covered enough on this show that I kind of feel like I'm dangerous to have at least a conversation uh, Anish mm-hmm. Roff was a co-host actually last week, Wes, when you were down playing golf at the, the uh, uh, Peach Bowl event. And he said, and he laid it out perfectly, he said, Notre Dame and Duke basically feels like a play-in game. It's kind of a loser-leave-town match. And, right. and Notre Dame, who's had a real problem with Duke in the past, and we went through all the examples, had to kind of exercise mm-hmm. some demons. Well, they did. I mean, Duke really kind of controlled the day and then Notre Dame went nuts in the fourth quarter. They rallied for the win. And you got a sense that, man, what an awesome win for Notre Dame. Six straight. They finish it off the right way. Great win against Duke. Right. And now you got to wait and see for the committee. But you got at least the sense, the buildup with what, again, the people that really do know the sport kind of gave you the sense that Notre mm-hmm. Dame probably leaning on the good side of the bubble with that win. And then the committee last night comes out and lays out the numbers and Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when you start looking at the RPI and the strength of schedule of those four teams that I mentioned, Duke, Notre Dame, Harvard, Ohio State, I get Ohio State getting in. They beat Harvard, they beat Notre Dame. That, to me, if it's close and you got a little head-to-head, that's a lean. So I got no issue with Ohio State. But how in the world does Harvard get in? And here's what I mean by that. The Ivy League got six teams in the tournament. Six. Yep. Harvard's strength of schedule was 21. Now, if you're going to tell Correct. me that if the committee, and this is not some knucklehead hairdo on television or radio, if the committee is going to tell me that the Ivy League is the standard and they're going to put six teams, they're only 18 to dance, six in the tournament, all right? How mm-hmm. in the world is Harvard's strength of schedule 21 when Notre Dame's strength of schedule is 16? Right. That, wait a minute. That, that tells me if Harvard's playing all these great Ivies, wouldn't their strength of schedule be through the roof? Right. If the ACC right. is down, wouldn't Notre Dame's strength of schedule be the flip-flop? So Notre Dame uh, had sure. an 11 RPI. Harvard was 15. Okay. Numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. Strength of schedule, I just told you, was 16 to 20. How did Harvard get in? I don't even understand it. I'm going to say point blank. I think Notre Dame got absolutely hosed by the committee. So that's my opinion. Well, and the worst part last night was uh, during the selection show, Donna Woodruff, who's the chairwoman of the men's lacrosse committee, uh, the athletics director at Loyola, Maryland, really didn't have any kind of in-depth explanation as to how it happened. Stunning. You know, it was based on quality wins and, you know, 
you know, competitive losses and things. I mean, I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh, committee speak, if you will, about the exclusion of Notre Dame from the field. So disappointing, no doubt, for the Irish. Oh, man. Uh, you've seen the story. Fewest teams in a single season since 1975, with Virginia the only ACC entrant on the men's side. We will tell you it was not a great year for lacrosse by ACC standards. But that being said, we thought there'd be two, perhaps even three schools make the NCAA championship. That did not happen, and Lars Tiffany and Virginia are the only ones. And, man, you feel bad for the Irish and the Blue Devils, but certainly for Notre Dame, who had such a strong finish to the regular season. Well, well you knew what was at stake Saturday when they played. And I think if you're mm-hmm. even a Duke right. fan and your RPI is a 7, or Duke's RPI was a right. 7, their strength of schedule was 13, but you understood what, how the importance of that game on Saturday. I just think if you're Kevin Corrigan, uh, your jaw had to hit the ground last night watching that. I mean, yeah. like I said, I, I get Ohio State getting in. They get the nod. They beat you. They beat Harvard. Okay, cool. So it kind of looks to me like, all right, it's a Duke-Notre Dame-Harvard thing for that spot. And mm-hmm. right. I, if, if you're Notre Dame, you win your sixth straight to finish it off. You're co-ACC champs with Virginia who got in. And yet you're going to tell me the Ivy League is going to put six teams in the dance? Six? And Harvard's strength yeah. of schedule and RPI is worse than Notre Dame? Now, you explain that one to me. I mean, that that's, that's not a hard yeah. question. And like you said, the committee folks last night looked like they, they looked like they'd never seen a lacrosse stick before. Yeah. Well, better news on the women's side where North Carolina is the number one national seed and they're one of six ACC women's lacrosse programs to make the NCAA tournament. Boston College ends up as the three seed nationally. Uh, and then you have Syracuse. Kayla Trainer's team is the fifth seed nationally. And then Duke, Notre Dame, and Virginia also qualified for the women's lacrosse championship. Uh, so our congratulations to those six institutions as well. And look forward to watching them play starting uh, this weekend. In fact, we will talk to Jenny Levy. We told you earlier at 8.30, Anish Schroff will join us in about 30 minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts on not only the Notre Dame exclusion, but also how he thinks it shakes out on the ladies' side as well. So we're going to do all that. we got a big show. Anish will be here at 7.45. Jenny Levy, Debbie Antonelli at 8.45 this morning, her annual uh, charity for Special Olympics in South Carolina, the Nothing But Net Free Throw Marathon, comes up this weekend. Uh, and then the 9 o'clock hour, Brittany McKinney will join us ahead of the ACC Women's Softball Tournament later this week in Pittsburgh. All that coming up. And we're going to Amelia Island. Packer on the to, beach. To Packer no, on the beach. No, 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 no. Well, you know what? I take that back. You could get a Packer on the beach. That would be Amy Packer on the beach. But we're going down there to do three days <laughs> of three-hour shows, and we're going to try to squeeze a fourth one if we can. That's what we're going. To, that's our agenda. There you go. So we're going down there to work. This is not going to be a luxury vacation. That's coming up later. There we go. When we uh, when we come back on this program, uh, J- Jordan Cornette talked to Zay Flowers the other night on All ACC. But now other stories starting to develop about potential tampering in terms of the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. The changing landscape in athletics continues to evolve, and it's next on Monday's Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. 
Hacker in Durham, 844-SAY. ACCN is the number for the program. Your lucky number of the day is 624. 624. Yep. Lucky numbers today. Keep that in mind as you move forward in life. Getting people, people are bombarding me this morning on uh, texting and Twitter and emails about being on the beach. This We are not going to be on the beach. I, listen, I can't speak for Wes. I will not be on the beach this weekend. I promise you. That's a guaranteed lock. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nope. No beach for me. No. Nope. Zero. We'll be trying to develop, uh, in addition to the shows tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, we'll also be trying to uh, engage in interviews and features and conversations, things like that, hopefully that we can then repurpose to show you an, at a later date here on ACC Network. Yeah, my number one goal at Amelia Island is to get Coach Cristobal's walk-up music. Get a chance to go face-to-face with Coach and say, all right, come on, off the record, let, let's talk. That's, that's oh my, my number gosh. one goal is to get oh up with Cristobal down at Amelia Island. Okay, great, great. <laughs> Make sure we get that photographed. Um, no, 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 no. I don't need it photographed. I just want to get the info, the intel. It's all, it's all, it's my number one objective in Amelia Allen. All right. Coach Cristobal. Um, okay. Let's jump to, if there's anything in the last 72 hours on name, image, and likeness and tampering and other things that you need to be brought up to speed on. First of all, I thought the Zay Flowers interview with Jordan Cornett on All ACC the other night was terrific. Flowers uh, followed up on the article with Pete Thamel of ESPN.com talking about turning down a half dozen potentially six-figure name, image, and likeness deals to stay at Boston College. Uh, He talked to Jordan about it the other night. He declined to name schools, but he also indicated that nobody from the school contacted him. These are all intermediaries, if you will, with name, image, and likeness companies that asked Flowers to consider the money if he entered the portal. And again, we're talking about a player who was not in the transfer portal and yet was being contacted by intermediaries on six-figure, up to $600,000, but on consistent six-figure deals pack for name, image, and likeness if he would go in the portal and thus enter one of those schools. Said it Friday. I'll say it again today. I'll say it again tomorrow. I'll say it again anytime you ask me this question. Uh, The NCAA, and maybe, just maybe, the Board of Governors are going to pass a rule today in which they can now come after such folks. Uh, Mm. You need to make an example of the people that are doing this. Uh, again, I am pro NIL. I am pro you should be able to get up and move, but there, I do think there should be some restrictions on the transfer portal. But I have no tolerance, none, zero, nada, nunca, for tampering. And this has been going right. on for a long time. This didn't just happen after July 1st of last year when name, image, and likeness was unveiled to everybody. This has been going on since dirt. And if the NCAA wants to actually impress somebody for a change, here's an idea. Bury them. Mm-hmm. Bury the people that are out tampering behind everybody's back. Make an example out of them. And I don't mean by, hey, we're going to call out your name and it's Joe Smith from Roast Beef A&M. 
No, you bury them. You eliminate them from the problem. You want to get rid of a problem? You eliminate it. That is what the NCAA needs to do. Now, can they do it is the bigger question. Do they have the enforcement capabilities to actually follow through with no subpoena power and go, guess what? You, sir or ma'am, are a problem. We are going to eliminate right. you from the equation. Now, there will be lawsuits. Gene Smith talked about this over the weekend, the outstanding athletic director at Ohio State, and basically said, hey, you know what? There's going to be litigation involved moving forward if this rule passes in terms of going after people that are out tampering. Hey, I don't think you can afford not to go after it. I, I don't think mm -hmm. college sports as we know it can take a passive approach and go, well, we might get in trouble. Forget that nonsense. You've got to clean this up. And I said this yeah. on Friday's show. I give Zay Flowers a ton of credit. His character, his honesty, what he's about, what Halfley's about, what BC's about, I thought came through on what that was discussed. The Pete Thamel story was out of sight. You mentioned the interview on the ACC mm -hmm. Network. All that awesome stuff. But you've got to clean up college sports and anybody that thinks hey i got a trillion dollars in the bank i'm going to go out and buy people i don't care i'm crossing the line there is no line i'm going to do whatever it takes so we can just load up and go mm -hmm. buy people you got to eliminate that nonsense you have to right. eliminate it so tag your it ncaa board of governors you're going to pass the vote you're going to come after people you know talking it's one thing or you're going to finally start walking it that's what i want to see here is uh, Zay Flowers with Jordan Cornette the other night on All ACC. I feel like the players do deserve it, but like schools, like I feel like coming out the players is kind of wrong. Like just trying to take a star player from a school to help build their program, and it's like because some schools have the money to do it, and I just feel like the opportunity to have NIL for players is a great opportunity for us to help our families and take care of what we need to take care of. But like when it started to get like this, I just feel like it's not right or it's just not the right thing to do to come out to a player while he's not even in a transfer portal. Props to Zay mm. Flowers from All a royalty right. standpoint in this day and age, whether you're running a business, uh, whether you have friends, uh, I'm going through the whole list here. Loyalty should matter. And I, I just thought with the way Zay Flowers handled himself, the way BC handled this, was spot on 1,000% right on the money. No pun intended. Totally agree. And I think the, the other thing about this is, is that I think the bigger concern is, is that we've got intermediaries. Again, name, image, and likeness companies come in a variety of shapes and sizes as it relates to the school. Okay? I understand that. But the fact now that we have people reaching out through one form or another to athletes that not that aren't even in the portal, that's the bigger issue. That's what makes this the wild, wild west. You hear coaches talk about it all the time. That kind of action, that kind of activity right there is the biggest guilty in terms of the off-the-rail stuff that's going on. Now, the one area that continues to draw interest, though, as it relates to college football and potentially college basketball is the idea of tampering. And Scott Satterfield, the head football coach at Louisville, told 24-7 Sports that he thinks Alabama tampered in the recruitment of Tyler Harrell to ultimately transfer to Alabama and play for the Crimson Tide this year. 
Satterfield made those comments over the weekend to 24-7 Sports, who covers the cards, saying that he thinks there may have been some uh, uh, tampering occurred when Harrell entered the portal and committed to Alabama last month. Um, Chris Hummer said that the Cardinals coach uh, said it's not only him, it's happened before. Last year we had a few guys that jumped in the portal, and the next day they announced where they're going. You can look at that and now think that something went on before they went in the portal. Mark, the, the underground black market side of this is that there are many who believe in all of intercollegiate athletics at the major college level that when a player of note jumps into the portal, the minute he goes into the portal, he has a pretty good idea where he's going because of what had previously occurred. That, again, is an offshoot of what the intention was of freedom of movement for student-athletes. I think every case is different, Wes. I don't think you could put a blanket statement on it. I mean, you know, right. Dave Flowers, Jordan Addison. We'll just take two guys uh, from our conference, if you will. Um, I, there, there could be very I – mean, again, I don't have all the details. I don't have all the facts. But I, I would suspect mm-hmm. that all of these cases are kind of separate in nature – in terms of uh, the economic backgrounds, the desire of a family. Uh, I mean, Zay Flowers talked about, hey, you know what? I got a gazillion kids in my family. $600,000 would really take care. I mean, everybody's in a different boat. So I'm not going to put a blanket statement all over this stuff. But I do think that if if a student athlete decides, hey, I'm not happy with my school, my decision, the coach, whatever the reason may be. Right. Once you enter the the portal, if at that point in time, hey, there's 10 teams that are interested in your services, I don't have an issue with it. Yep. I have an issue, though, if somebody is whispering down the hallway and goes, hey, man, you need to get out of there, man. We'll come make you rich. We'll give you a Lamborghini, a house, a car, whatever the you know, whatever the inducement is. Right. Uh, free barbecue sandwiches. I don't know what it is. But um, that is different. And so that's where, and it's my opinion, that the NCAA has got to do their due diligence. I mean – if Zay Flowers mm-hmm. can sit there and tell an NCAA enforcement agent, hey, guess what? I heard from schools X, Y, and Z, and here's what they offered me. Well, then go tag your it, NCAA. Go bury right. somebody. Seriously, go bury. I don't mean yep. all. Don't do that again because the next time you do that, we may have to come and take a, a scholarship away. No, that's not what you do. You've got to set an example to anybody out there that if you're thinking about crossing the line and tampering with somebody, brother, you better be locked tight and figure out what you're doing and make sure there are no leaks. Because if there are, we're going to bury you and the school. And you know what? The school needs to also understand, hey, if there's somebody speaking on your behalf, it is your due diligence to figure out who that is. Yep. you got to know the answer to that question. So I think all these cases are different. Scott Satterfield certainly has a better handle on whether or not he thinks some of his guys, and this wasn't the only time he talked about that mm-hmm. with Harold. He even mentioned last year there were some other guys that all of a sudden left to go to the portal the very next day. Bam, they're gone. And so, again, Scott's got to have a handle on here is the information that I have and pass that on to the authorities to be. I mean, I don't right. know that. You don't know that. The fan at home is sitting there going, Man, it seems a bit fishy. I got that cold, clammy feeling. Well, if it feels that way, then let's go do something about it as opposed to barking to the media or whatever the case may be. It's time that the world of college sports starts cleaning up its act, ASAP. Yeah. 
Uh, more on this coming up, 9 o'clock hour, maybe even a phone call at 844-SAY-ACCN as well. When we come back, this first hour on the Monday Packer in Durham, the Bison of North Dakota State came to South Florida and they got swept. The number is the thing that gets you. We'll check things on the diamond and in the circle over the weekend next. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Again, the number is 844-SAY-ACCN. There is a lot going on. Notre Dame lacrosse fans bummed out. Should be. You got hosed by the NCAA yep. on that one. Name, image, and likeness, a major topic. ACC spring meetings get cranked up at Amelia Island. Again, we'll be down there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, working feverishly to get everything you need to know about all that. We got uh, beach volleyball news. We got softball news. We got baseball news. The women's golf regional start today. I mean, I'm telling you, there's yep. a lot of stuff going on. Tons of stuff going on. You got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, let's go uh, tour the diamond first, and we're going to get caught up. And then softball, final weekend of play in the regular season before they head to the tournament, by the way, at Pittsburgh this weekend. But let's get you let's get you caught up on the baseball side of things, shall we? Uh I don't know if there was a – was there a penultimate? Did you feel like there was a, a series that was more important than the other pack yes. this weekend in baseball? I, I did. Okay. I, thought, I thought Louisville and Wake was the one that I had mm. kind of circled because, I mean, here's Louisville. They lead the Atlantic. We had Coach Dan on the other day. Right. Uh, they've been playing really good baseball. And that ballpark, man, it, I mean, people go crazy. And it went so crazy yesterday, they decided, nah, we're going to tie. What are we doing? What are we doing with the Louisville weight game okay. yesterday? Just me- hang on, hang on. All right. So Miami beat North Dakota State 6-4. to four. They swept the Bison after outscoring them 38-1 to one the first two games. That's right. Georgia Tech uh, was swept at Clemson over the weekend. That's right. Uh, Max Wagner a home run yesterday, by the way. 14-2 the final. Kevin Parada, tough weekend for the Jackets at the plate. We'll get you caught up on that later. Virginia Tech beat Villanova 3-2 the final there. Walk-off. Hokies won a couple. Yep, walk-off there. Hokies won a couple from the Wildcats. Florida State beat Boston College. Now, hang on. Whoa, whoa, we went fast there, didn't we? A lot of games. Boston College, uh, a winner, uh, a loss to Florida State 8-1. Here's a look at the double headers from yesterday. NC State and Carolina split. And uh, Duke and Pitt split yesterday. 15-5, the Blue Devils win. 3-2, the Panthers win in the first game. That 5-5 game you saw on the screen. Now, Mark, little-known codicil of the Atlantic Coast Conference baseball play. It also applies in other sports, too. But little-known codicil, as Dean Vernon Wormer once said in Animal House, uh, is that there is a thing known as a travel limit. So if a game has not been determined, it can be called, if it is tied, which Wake and Louisville was at, in the 12th inning at 5-5, because of the time limit allowing Louisville to return to their campus. That's exactly what happened yesterday in Winston-Salem. Did I not say last week on this show, there should never ever be ties in sports ever I, I don't care what if you're going to have a competition never one trillion percent right. ever 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 the result right. should never be 
I, I know. It's a tie. That is nonsense. I, know. I don't care what the rule right. is. We're going to play till somebody wins the game. And determine it however you want. Okay. And we got a plane to catch, All okay? Right. We're going to run. We're going to have a base rate. First guy to run around the base is the fastest one. Come up with some kind of competition, some competitive <laughs> deal on which somebody wins and somebody loses. That's what we do in this country. In this country, we play to a W or an L. That T stinks. I, it stinks. I'm sorry. That is ridiculous. Okay. All right. Stupid. All right. All right. Got it. I mean, do you <laughs> agree? I mean, and here's the other thing. Now you look at standings, yeah. and it's like, well, somebody's 11, 12, and 1. I mean, it just screws everything. Well, we The 1 is – the NFL has it. Makes no sense to me. We now have it in baseball. Makes no sense to me. I don't like it. Don't like anything about it. All right. Let's go uh, to the standings so we can look at the tie, shall we? Now look how yeah, stupid this looks. Look how stupid that looks. Look at the tie. So look at bad. that 5-5 five, five, and 12 because of travel. Huh? Huh? Stinks. Looks good. Yeah, you, looks you, good. You, you would like it. You would like it. <laughs> I just know it's the rule. I don't care for it either. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. Uh, Notre Dame, by the way, two games back at Louisville in the uh, win column. Link Jarrett, Mike Martin Jr., that's a that's a good win for them from a serious perspective. Uh, but uh, keep an eye on that uh, that race for the regular season in the Atlantic. Can we go to the Coastal here, too? Check in on that, uh, that side of the bracket. Tough weekend for Georgia Tech. Puts them five back with Pitt. Virginia Tech, Virginia three back. Uh, Gino DeMari in Miami can uh, – can kind of create some uh, distance for themselves if they choose with uh, another big, strong regular season weekend, if you will, in ACC play. So there you go. 35 and 12 looks pretty good on paper, too, for Miami. You know what? If Notre Dame and Louisville end up like somebody's, uh, I don't know, they could play 30 games. If, if Notre Dame goes uh, 21 and 9, and Louisville yes. goes 29 and 1. Hey, Louisville baseball fans, mm-hmm. you're going to sit there and go, man, that tie absolutely got us. Yeah. Yeah. It sure did. Well, got to play mm-hmm. for a win, man. See, figure it out. There, there's, you can't walk away with a tie. What are we even playing yeah. for? It's not soccer. Maybe you can. Uh... Maybe you can get that on the agenda in Amelia Island when we arrive later today. You can no, they, kind of they, sneak in and say, hey, no, we need to discuss this tie. No, the suits, let me tell you something. The, the real movers and shakers in this league, they've got work to do this week. This is a business trip. <laughs> I agree with that. It sounds like it. It sounds like fun that. and fantasy and sun and, you know, beach and surf and all. There's a lot of work getting done this week at Amelia yeah. Island. I promise you. All right. All right, uh, going to break, remind you about the ACC baseball coverage here on ACC Network. we got a pair of them for you on Saturday, 1 o'clock, presented by Auto Owners Insurance, number 10, Louisville, number 5, Virginia Tech. And then Saturday night, 7 o'clock, number 6, Miami, number 23, Florida State. All available for you right here on ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. When we come back, Anish Shroff is here. And he's mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore. Notre Dame, according to a niche, a travesty they're not in the men's lacrosse championship. We'll talk to 
the voice of the Carolina Panthers next on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It's a Monday. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Get a good look at us because, again, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we will be live from Florida. All right, uh, let's get into this, Wes. Uh, The men's and women's NCAA tournament lacrosse brackets were released last night. Good news on the ladies' side from the ACC perspective. Really kind of lousy news uh, on the men's side. Notre Dame gets hosed, in my opinion, by the committee. Uh, we can give you a quick look at the brackets before we bring Anish on here uh, to go into greater detail about what in the world went down last right. night. But uh, here's your top half. As you can see, Virginia is the only ACC team, the two-time defending national champion. They get Brown. Again, that's coming up this weekend. And uh, six, right. six teams from the Ivy League made the field of 18 on the men's side. Six of 18. Yeah, good. There's the bottom side, and Harvard is the team in the target zone. Uh, apparently, a team that was pulled in over the top of Virginia and or Duke, if you want to. Um, and again, you see the Ivies, Cornell, and uh, Penn on that side as well. Uh, here is Anish Schroff, kind enough to join us uh, from Metropolitan Marvin, North Carolina this morning. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm uh, I'm fired up. How are you, Wes? How are you, Pack? <laughs> I tell you, uh, if I'm Kevin Corrigan, I bet I didn't sleep last night just staring at the television screen, going, "You've got to be kidding me!" That Anish, you followed this for a long, long time. Um, and again, this is the ACC Network, so you know we're going to be slanted one way and having conversations. But man, it just kind of felt like highway robbery last night watching that get unveiled for Notre Dame's sake. Not putting Notre Dame in the field, incomprehensible, egregious, gross negligence, idiotic, mm. farce, all of those things. This is no worse right now on Monday morning than the third best team in the country. Notre Dame is one of Ooh. a small group of teams, Georgetown and Virginia, really the only other teams I see in that group, that has a legitimate shot at beating Maryland for a national championship. And so by taking them out of the tournament, by not even giving them a chance to have a room full of people and say, uh, yeah, th- th- they don't belong. I can't comprehend it. Uh, it just it, It's mm-hmm. unfathomable, and it has sucked the life and the juice and the integrity out of the entire bracket. Anish, if you had to point, though, and I know last night Cotter and Kark and Quint got into the you know, Harvard, Duke, Virginia, or Harvard, Duke, Notre Dame conversation. Yeah. Is it just those three, or is it bigger than those three that ultimately got Notre Dame out of the loop here? Yeah, so Ohio State was in that mix as well. And listen, Ohio State beat okay. Harvard head-to-head, beat Notre Dame head-to-head. I've got no issue okay. with Ohio State being in. I have no issue with Duke being left out. We had built the Duke-Notre Dame game as an elimination game for weeks. And Duke had six losses – they had three losses outside of the RPI 20, top 20. So I, I can understand putting in Ohio State over Duke. Fine. The, the last spot, Notre Dame and Harvard. Notre Dame had an RPI of 11. Harvard had RPI of 15. Harvard did not make its conference tournament. But you have to apply the eye test here. I mean, at some point, what you see on the field matters. 
And over the last six weeks of the season, Notre Dame played as well as anybody. They were two and four. You look at their non-conference schedule, though. They played Georgetown, who's the two seed. They played Maryland, who's the one seed. They played Ohio State, who's in the field. Now, they lost those games. That's on them. They lost to Virginia. That's on them. But what they did in the second half of the season, they beat Duke twice. And the committee essentially said, when they were parsing through these teams, we're going to eliminate Duke, who had a top 10 RPI, by the way. They had the highest RPI of any of those four teams. So the committee said, well, we're going to take Duke out of the equation because of those three bad losses. And the minute they did that, they looked at Notre Dame and said, okay, well, Duke's no longer a tournament team, so Notre Dame's two wins against Duke don't matter. and They don't count. Reality is, if you put Notre Dame today on the field against every other team in this field, with the exception of Maryland and maybe Georgetown, Notre Dame would be a favorite and a considerable favorite in most of these games. Anish, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the Ivy League. Obviously, and we talked when you were hosting last week, we talked about the fact that last year was kind of the perfect storm. Ivy League didn't play. You had a lot of transfers. The ACC took advantage of it with great deep teams and hence so many incredible teams in this league. This year it's been a little different. Virginia, of course, does their thing. But Notre Dame's been red hot, as you pointed out. But here's what I don't understand. Harvard getting in... If you're telling me that the Ivy League is that, all right, and I'm going to take everybody's word for it, that the Ivy League really is good, all right? I got no issue with that. But if you're telling me that they're that good of a league, that they could justify six of the 18 spots in the tournament for that particular conference, how is it possible that Harvard's strength of schedule is worse than Notre Dame if you have no respect for the ACC if you're the committee? Because that makes zero sense. Again, this is why analytics, I'm not an analytic guy. I think it's all nonsense. But that makes zero sense to me. Zero. Yeah, and it should because what you do is you move the goalposts to fit your narrative. Right. Right. Okay, well, we, we, we got to right. find a way. Harvard, what, what makes sense here? So, again, we're going to devalue the Duke wins for Notre Dame. And we're going to look past Harvard's non-conference, which was NJIT and Fairfield. Ohio State, good team who they lost to. Colgate, you know, I mean, you might as well throw the Connecticut School of Broadcasting on there. They didn't play anybody at a conference. Uh, Notre Dame plays a big boy conference schedule. They only play 12 games. You know, that's the other part that's not equitable. Notre Dame only had a 12-game schedule. And people wonder why. Well, a lot of that is, again, you can only miss so many classes due to travel. So, their schedule mm-hmm. is condemned. They start a little later. They were penalized for that. Uh, Duke played 17 games. There were more data points. You know, I can't quibble with Duke being left out, but Notre Dame being left out is a legitimate championship caliber team, a legitimate championship team that won't even get a chance. Uh, it, it, it's sickening, and we really need to take a step back next year and look at how we select these teams because what happened on Sunday was a total joke, and it's a black eye for the sport. All right. I want to go to the the concept here and the composition of the committee. I know Donna Woodruff, who's the AD at Loyola, was the chairwoman of the committee. Uh, I know Billis has had this conversation in basketball a lot about having basketball people on the basketball committee. Do we have lacrosse people on the lacrosse committee, Anish? Yeah, we do, but it's a regional advisory committee, so you'll have a representative from each of the regions, and they'll talk about – you know, the conferences that they play. But again, sometimes, you know, there's, (laughs) if you have a, if you have people in that room who are, let's say, again, 
not paying attention to stuff that goes right. outside of the league, not paying attention to the sport at large. You have decisions like Notre Dame being left out and Harvard being in. And again, I, I'm not here to hate on the Ivies. They deserved five, 100% deserved five. I don't know if all five should have been hosting. They didn't deserve six. Uh, Joe Brescia's hmm. on that committee, is he not? The head coach at North Carolina? Yeah, he is. And, and you know, again, I don't know how much say he had in all of this. Um, certainly, you know, he saw Duke twice. He saw Notre Dame. Um, but, again, was that voice drowned out by other coaches? I, I don't know what hmm. happened inside those rooms. So it's hard for me to sit here and speculate. But I ultimately quibble with the decision that the committee as a whole made. Um, and they came to that decision. Right. No, Notre Dame belongs. When you have this postseason tournament, you want to see the best teams in the country play for a national championship. You know, if there's team that, you know, team X or team Y that's right on the bubble, okay, we leave them out. Quint, Clark, myself, others think they should be in fine. But but we're leaving out a team that can legitimately win the whole thing. I, I, I can't grasp that. Anish, yeah. uh, while it was All disappointing right, wanna... for the men, uh, the, the flip side is the women, and no surprise, were able to put six teams in the dance. I don't think that comes as any surprise to anybody. Hey, they got that one right, huh? Um, <laughs> yes, they got the women's <laughs> tournament right. Um, listen, North Carolina on the women's side is basically the equivalent of Maryland on the men's side. It, it is the overwhelming favorite. And uh, North Carolina will get challenged, I think, from teams – from its conference at some point in this tournament. Maryland, meanwhile, um, you know, I, I think it, on the men's side, to go back to it, it's not really fair to Maryland. you got to play Virginia in the quarters, which is probably one of the two teams that can beat you. That's not rewarding a one seed. So uh, on mm. the women's side, you have the right teams. You have bracket integrity. Uh, on the men's side, you don't even have that. Anish, when you look at the women's side, Three of the top five speaks to the power of the league, doesn't it? Yep. It sure does. And I'm still not going to count out BC, even though they lost to Carolina on Saturday in the ACC championship. Mm -hmm. Because last year, we saw this movie. We saw BC lose badly in the regular season to UNC. They come back, they beat right. North Carolina in the semifinals. So uh, Boston College, Syracuse, North Carolina, I mean, all these teams at the top of the ACC. It's a deep league, it's a talented league. Um, UNC is the heavy favorite, but again, those are the teams that I think can beat UNC just because they've seen them the most. They've got the best scouting reports on Carolina. Were you surprised BC mm. dropped to three? <laughs> no, um, a loss is always going to hurt you. And I know you, you lose a couple of times to Carolina. It probably shouldn't drop you, um, more than to number two, but that Duke loss that they had in the regular season, you know, probably factored in. So uh, again, two, three, not really a big deal. Uh, if, Chalk plays out, two and three are going to play each other at some point. Hey, uh, by the way, just uh, off the line here, last week when you were uh, co-hosting, and I appreciate you doing that, Did by chance did you pick up Packer's PSL check for his season tickets that he's renewing this year? Uh, no, but he is going to renew this year, and we're going to get him on the bandwagon. You know what? I will. Here's what I'll do. I will renew the day the Carolina Panthers draft a Clemson Tiger. Oh, jeez. Hey, now we're to that? Hold on. The team wait, wait, wait. Christy Coleman is a Clemson Tiger. That's fine. I, so didn't, ask, I, didn't, ask, I didn't ask who was on the staff. I said the day the Carolina Panthers 
draft a Clemson Tiger, I will look into buying PSLs again. Oh. Again. I'll pass that along to Scott Fitterer, the GM, and uh, I'll tell him, listen, Packers loyalty hinges on one thing and one thing only. I mean, I, I, I'm an alum. I mean, the most successful football wait, program wait a second. in the last uh, 10 years in this league is in Clemson, South Carolina, two hours away. Wait. And we can't get a player on this team? Come on, man. What are we doing? Two, two weeks ago, Anish, two weeks ago, he was all in on Kenny Pickett at six because he figured he could help the HOA dues. Then they took Icky, which was a great pick. Which and I Icky's like. going to play forever, and he's been on the show a half dozen times. And now Thanks. Packer wants to double down on his return to loyalty with a Clemson Tiger being drafted. Come That's on, right. Mark. What do you, what do you uh, that, that, My that, position could not be any clearer. I mean, I'm a pro ACC guy. <laughs> I wanted Pickett because we need a quarterback, so we didn't get him. You know what? I love the Icky pick. I said it with a niche. He is a great pick for Carolina. He's a ACC yeah. dude. He's been on the show. He's gregarious. He'll be great in the community. But that's got nothing to do with drafting a Clemson Tiger. If you want me to buy tickets, okay. you got to reach into my heart. I am a Clemson Tiger, and guess what? If you don't draft one, I may find something better to do on a Sunday afternoon. I can't make that any clearer. That's about as simple as it gets. What if we get Matt like a Clemson Tiger's wristband that says Mark Packer on it, or Packer and Durham? No. No. You thought about it. You thought it. No, I did not. <laughs> you thought he did that. No, think. I did he not. He did. He hedged. <laughs> no, no. I, no. I know better than that. I know better than that. And I really appreciate my partner right. always concerned with how I should spend my money. Do you, do you ever see? We've done uh-huh. 624 Got shows. A lot of it. Do I ever say, hey, guess what, Wes? Here's what we ought to do. For, Wes ought to be spending money. On. I never do that. You know, you know, the easiest thing to do in life is to tell somebody else how to spend their money. Well, see, with Wes, Wes gets everything for free. I mean, Wes is the king. So that's why he tells other people to spend money. He doesn't have to spend his own. You know, I I think it's ironic that we're having this conversation with the voice of the Panthers, the voice of the Falcons, and I'm not even the voice of my own family. So let that that marinate for a second. (laughs) Hey, Hey, Anish. Is it the NCAA lacrosse selection committee next year? I'll take that. I'm in. I, I, I could do a better job yeah. Ooh, than what they do. And I'm telling you what, if I'm Kevin Corgan, if I'm Kevin Corgan, I've got steam coming through my ears after that nonsense last night. There you go. That was ridiculous. Can yeah. I read you the best text I got tonight? I can't say from who, but the text was, Kevin Corrigan should be able to commit at least three felonies tonight free of consequence. <laughs> just, I mean, that's, that was awful. I mean, that really was. I, I feel for him and his team. They played too well down the stretch to get treated like that. That was crazy. Hey, Anish, take care. Always appreciate it, my man. Stay well. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. See ya. All right, Anish Shroff. Sit tight. Best of the weekend coming up. Packer and Durham's Monday continues. Uh, Jenny Levy coming up at 8.30. Debbie Antonelli, 8.45 on this here production of the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Packer and Durham.